Congratulations, you've made it to the See It To Be It podcast, formerly On The Spot, where we sit down with some of the most inspiring female leaders and role models. And today we're proud to feature Vivian Chen. It's an inspiring conversation today and every Thursday. So be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of See It To Be It, available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, and excited to be here with you again today, bringing you yet another incredible, relatable role model. Really happy to welcome Vivian Chin today, and she is the founder of Rise, and she is helping women level up through meaningful project work. And we're going to dive into what she's doing in just a few minutes, but welcome, Vivian. So happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Melinda. I am so excited to be here. Before we get started, I always like people to go way back, you know, that that big dream when you were growing up as a little girl, what did you think you'd be doing? What was your big dream as you were growing up and what do you think that path would look like for you? Growing up, I actually wanted to be an astronaut. I was watching a documentary recently on the planets and it reminded me of all the times that, you know, growing up, I just had one of these books that was an encyclopedia on, I guess it was like the universe and I couldn't put it down. And the whole time I was so fascinated by space, by all the places that's like outside of our own planet. I think that's probably where I got my sense of adventure of like looking beyond and seeing what else is out there. This is until I realized that I'm actually scared of heights. <laughs> a bit of a challenge, huh? <laughs> exactly. It's a little bit of a challenge, but you know, I think still deep down, there's that little girl who was obsessed with being an astronaut, wanting to go out to the space, so curious about the moon, Mars, and everything that's beyond. Well, that's very cool. I love that story. Okay, so after you sort of, you know, you had that dream of being an astronaut, then what did you study to do in school? What did you think you were going to do when kind of reality hit, that fear of heights yeah. kicked in? Yeah, um, I studied business. Um, I went to um, Penn and I went to the undergrad business school. For me, there was a moment where, you know, I sort of sat down and looked at everything that I wanted to do. And one of the things that I was really passionate about was how do I do something that I can affect the most number of people? And business to me was that more practical way of impacting many people's lives. So I studied business, did marketing, management, a little bit of decision processes. Okay. And so now let's talk about where you are today. So tell us a little bit about Rise and just how it was born. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we do have to go back a little bit. So after business school, I, like many people, I think that tend to go down that path. I really wanted to come to New York City. And as someone who studied marketing, um, making decisions and being you know, in charge of brands was really exciting to me. So I became a brand manager at L'Oreal. And I stayed there for a few years where I managed brands like Garnier and Lancôme and Kiehl's and really had a front row seat into some of the most exciting things that was happening in marketing and business. Um, a few years into that, though, Silicon Valley kind of, you know, was this hot new thing that was happening on the West Coast. And that was your outer space, I think. That was my outer space, exactly. And <laughs> your Mars. That was my Mars. And the ping pong table and, you know, all the startup perks and all these things that people were doing to disrupt every aspect of our life was calling. And I really wanted to get a piece of that tech So I attempted to make this switch from beauty and fashion into technology. And I was kind of hit with a wall because when, even at that point, you know, when people looked at my resume, they sort of typecast me as someone who only had experience in beauty and fashion. 
and Silicon Valley wouldn't even look at my resume. I think I applied to over a hundred positions, and it wasn't until I actually took some time off and learned to code myself that they took me seriously. They realized that I wasn't just someone who was trying to go into a new industry that was hot, but that I really was interested and that I had what it takes to do that transition. So then I left L'Oreal and did you know a few years in tech、um, where I worked with a company called Greenhouse Software and it's a HR technology company. Which you know to my friends who used to love my job at L'Oreal, where I used to you know give them all these amazing beauty products. Now it's like, wait, what do you do? You work for an HR company? So it was kind of a head scratcher, but that company really allowed me a front row seat into some of the world's most exciting companies and how they approach talent and recruitment. So companies like Uber, Airbnb, Snapchat. So you know, I was with Greenhouse from Series A to Series C, and really got a taste of what it was like to be on technology rocket ship. So that experience, you know, really was sort of laid the foundation for why I started Rise because of the difficulty I had when I transitioned. And at that point, you know, I was only about six years into my career, and yet so many doors seemed like were closed to me, and I didn't want people to feel that way. When I left Greenhouse, I actually started freelancing, and within a few months of me becoming an independent consultant in marketing and tech and consumer goods, I was offered a position that was several level above where I was even a year ago, and it was you know across all different types of industries. Tech companies were interested in me. Consumer goods companies were interested in me, and I had this aha moment where I realized I had hacked my career. And instead of following the path of what my bosses or company think I can do, it was really about putting myself out there and showing the world what it is that I could do. And that was sort of the aha moment when I realized that more women should do this. We know that women make seventy nine cents to every dollar and earned by men, and that there seems to be a glass ceiling. In order to get more women into that leadership pipeline, we need to just get out there and do more, and do it faster, and do it on our own terms. So I sort of, you know, changed everything that I was doing, and I decided to make this my mission in life, which is to help women rise up faster in her career. Excellent. Tell us why do you think, particularly now, this is so needed in the workforce? I mean, and even looking at it from the company side, because from my experience inside these corporations and talking to these corporations, is that right now they're desperate for really varied talent, and I think maybe they've realized, you know, especially tech companies, that they've been so narrowly focused, and they're also challenged with having their women advance. So, how do you think, sort of, on both sides, that Rise is really helping make? That happen. So it's really interesting that you bring this up because right now, when I talk to my friends, everyone is sort of at a stage in our lives where we're thinking about work-life balance, we're thinking about motherhood, about becoming parents, and it's a conversation that I just keep on having over and over again with my girlfriends. You know, we've worked really hard. Our entire careers, professional careers, and now it's a choice between: Do I want to opt out and be a good mother? Or do I want to continue building my career? And I think with flexible work, with what we're doing at Rise, which is enabling more women to pursue project-based, remote work from anywhere opportunities, it really gives us 
another option. That's not just, you know, do I become a mom or do I stay in the work? But you can do both. And I think that's really important because when you look at the motherhood drop-off, which tends to happen at middle of the career, women are sort of at that director level and above. That's when you really see the attrition of women dropping out. And when you ask women who have dropped out, 70% of those would have stayed had they had the chance to pursue work in a more flexible manner. For companies, you know, as we think about what does it take to get more women to that C-level? There's only 5% of women in Fortune 500 C-suites today. It requires us to do more legwork, especially at this critical moment when women are thinking about this work-life balance. What does it mean? I don't want to repeat the steps that's you know walked by previous generations, by my mother's generation. We think there's a better way out there. And thanks to technology, things like Slack, um, even you know Zoom, remote conferencing, I think there is a new way of work now where people can work remotely and can work when she wants, where she wants, without having to always be tied down. Down to a cubicle and be there from 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. I think it's interesting because what you said about 70% of the women that they would have stayed had they had an option. And I would bet you now, if you would start interviewing those companies, they're all thinking they're doing everything they can to figure out how do we make this work. You know, there's a huge talent shortage that's expected to reach more than 10 million by 2020. And, you know, just looking at like what employers can do today to help stem that gap. Yeah. There are 77 million freelancers in the U.S. alone. I think a lot of that has been helped by companies like Uber and uh, TaskRabbit, where they really set the foundation for flexible work to be the norm and where people are, are more accepting of that. But now it's about how do we sort of translate that into other sectors, into people who are marketers, into people who are engineers, product developers? And is there a different way in which people can go in and out of flexible work in full time without being punished and without having that gap on their resume? Right. You know, also, I mean, kind of talking about this remote work and contract work, you know, obviously it is so prevalent, but one of the things that I hear a lot from women is that it can be kind of lonely out there. You know, there's a disconnect. And I think that's part of what also challenges companies is that, you know, they see the productivity, but then how do you feel connected? How do you sort of overcome not only that loneliness factor, but also those key connections that you need to have in a company to be able to scale up to the C-suite? Yeah, no, I think that's so interesting that you mentioned that because other than health insurance, which is the number one thing that I hear people ask me about is, I want people to go to happy hours with. I don't have coworkers anymore, <laughs> right? Like in the middle of the day when I text people, everyone's at their full-time job. It's a new reality now where it's like the first you know, few months you work by yourself, like this is awesome. But then by month three, you're like, wow, I really miss having people around me. And I do think now with co-working spaces, with all sorts of digital community that are popping up, even like meetups, um, I'm in every single uh, you know, freelancer as well as entrepreneur <laughs> group there is. I think there's more of that sense that community needs to happen for remote and for freelance workers, which is part of what we're doing at Rise too. I always think of it as not so three pillars, not only providing people with the opportunities, also with the benefits to replicate the system that people used to have in that traditional nine to five. But lastly, is that community piece of community is beyond just human to human connection. Of course, that's really important for you to be able to have friends and to make these new connections, but also about having mentorship, having people that you could learn from. 
Learning and development is something that used to be provided by your employer. But when you work for yourself, how do you advance in your skills? Things are changing so rapidly. What you knew even a few years ago might not be relevant today. You know, with all the new technologies that's coming out, it's really important that this community that we're building not only provide people with social relevance, but also professional relevance as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it completely resonates with me because interestingly, one arm of On The Dot, what we've done is we've actually called On The Dot Diversity. We built a software platform. It sort of goes inside companies to address this issue. So to help connect women and diverse groups within these large organizations, whether they're remote working or whether they're global companies and they need to be connected with, with others globally to help mentor, you know, connect and help them advance in that organization because we know how critical it is to be able to have all all those different levels that you're connected with in order to make it up to the top. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned about your health insurance and I wanted to circle back around because I know that's sort of one of your key tenants. And I think that's really interesting because of course it's something that people worry about. So tell me, you know, kind of why you decided to include healthcare and how that worked in your company. So when I first became a freelancer, a self-employed person, you know, it didn't even occur to me that health insurance was something that I needed to look into. And then it was about one month into before I left my full-time job, it kind of occurred to me that, oh, wait, what about my health insurance? And I started looking into all these options and it, there just really wasn't anything out there for someone who's self-employed, whether as a freelancer or entrepreneur or, you know, anything else, if you don't work in that traditional nine to five. And This is a reality that I think most people don't realize until it hits them, which is why this is the number one concern faced by our community. So for me, you know, I actually, totally true story, approached my then boyfriend, who is now my husband, and said, hey, I think we need to become domestic partners so I can get your health insurance. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think that should be the only option for people. Um, (laughs) It was something that I personally experienced. And I spent so many hours researching various options. It's the new green card. You know, when people needed a green card, they got married. Well, people need health insurance and they get married. You know, I'm laughing, but not because I've actually heard of this before, you know, that people say, well, I mean, I think we need to get married because, you know, because a lot of companies don't recognize domestic partners. So exactly. So, you know, we were lucky that, you know, we became domestic partners. But when I started Rise, more and more people started coming to me and it's the same story over and over again. And I really didn't want to tell people that the solution is to get married. So it was vitally important important to me and to the people that we're serving that we have that option in order to make flexible work sustainable and successful we need to replicate the system that's been so entrenched in that traditional nine to five structure and give people options to allow them the freedom and the power to pursue the dreams that they want yeah no that's awesome I want to kind of just circle back around to, you know, your target millennial women. I know that isn't all that you do, but you know, on your website, you, know, you specifically kind of call it millennial women. And I think millennial women are sort of this first entree and, you know, into the gig economy. And it's mm-hmm. something that, you know, these women have really grown up with and what they expect and what they want. So I'm just curious, just from, you know, your experience or even just looking ahead, I know you can't necessarily see into the future, but Do you think that it's going to create a challenge for these women getting to that C-suite, especially when you're looking at larger corporations because they haven't been sort of entrenched in that? Or do you actually think that companies are going to come around and, you know, going to look at this varied experience and things that they've done, you know, as a positive? 
I think they're going to look at it as a positive. Obviously, Rise is open to all. But, you know, a lot of our efforts are speaking to the millennial generation because we think that there's so much that can be done for this generation. Right now, there are more millennials who are about to face this challenge of the motherhood drop-off. We think there's this biggest impact that we can make, which is why we talk to her. And as for companies, whether or not they're going to come around, they're already coming around. One of the hottest companies in Silicon Valley, Stripe just announced one of their newest engineering hub, not even for business, but engineering hub is remote, completely remote. And this tells you that the most innovative companies in the world today are thinking ahead and are thinking about what is the best way for me to recruit and retain the most qualified candidate, not just geographically, but around the world in the U.S., regardless of where she comes from. And, you know, in addition to that, people who work for themselves, as we've discussed before, are more motivated to keep pace with her learning and development and skills training, because if she doesn't have those skills, she's out of a job. Right. Absolutely. It doesn't have maybe that same security as you would, you know, if you're tenured at a corporation where they might overlook some of those things. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Very interesting. And I think that it also goes to, you know, a lot of these diversity and inclusion efforts that companies are really stepping up because in a way, diversity and inclusion isn't just, you know, race or sexual orientation. You know, it's so many other things that are happening in people's lives. You know, when you look at the employee resource groups, you know, people who are caring for, you know, a sick parent and they need to pull together and some of those diversity groups and inclusiveness. And I think this kind of work culture really speaks to that. So I agree with you. I think companies are absolutely coming around and, and seeing that as a huge benefit. So that's great. Very fascinating. As we're sort of closing up here, we'd like to do a little speed round to get to know a little bit more about you personally. So what does your morning routine look like? So I'm not a morning person. And I find that now, you know, as obviously in building rise on my work for myself, I have a team, but I stopped setting my alarm clocks. So I tend to wake up naturally. And I think because, you know, I'm just so motivated every single day, I tend to wake up around 7.30, 8 o'clock naturally, which is would have been unheard of, you know, back in the day when I worked <laughs> um, in my job. I always make a cup of coffee. I feel like, you know, it's something that really jumpstarts my day. If I don't have my coffee, it's like, you know, I can't really function. And I do like to say, take some time in the morning and go through my calendar just to make sure that I am prepared for the day ahead. So this could be something as simple as 10, 15 minutes, just making sure that everything on my calendar looking not only for this day, but the next day, if there's anything I need to do to prepare for that. And then I'm usually out the door. I do have a co-working space. One of the things that I found about, you know, working on your own company and working for yourself is that need for social interaction. So getting out of the house in the morning, having that as part of the routine is really important for me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I hear you. So what are you currently reading or listening to? I wish I could say I'm reading more, but I definitely read every morning courts, which is the news summary that I get in the email. I wish I could say that I'm reading a book right now, but I, I find myself to be picking up different things and not finishing any of them. But I do listen to things on my commute. You know, I love 20,000 Hertz, which is a podcast on music and sound. I also love Gastropod, which is one on food. And my favorite, favorite, all-time favorite is Planet Money. And of course, on the dot. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. There you go. Thank you. What's one thing you can't live without? One thing I can't live without. What a great question. I think it's my friends and family. You know, I am so blessed in having such a supportive group of people around me. I think about the friends that I have who have supported me along the way. 
It really takes a village. Whenever I do have some sort of challenge or difficulty, I always have, you know, a couple of friends that I can dial up right away and who will always answer my call. To have that sort of support is, it's the kind of thing that makes me fearless because I know that I have my squad behind me. I love that. It's awesome. And what's one piece of advice you would give your 10 years ago self? I would say to 10 years ago, you know, I think I had all these dreams of what my life would be like and what my career would be like. And I think instead of having that picture in your head so ingrained, it's to optimize for growth and learning and for things that excite you or me, I guess, <laughs> and to do things that make you want to wake up every single day and get you excited and out of bed every single day. Tell our listeners where they can find out more about Rise. And certainly if you are part of the gig economy or wanting to be part or just wanting to upskill through doing project work, they definitely need to check you out. So where can they find you, Vivian? Absolutely. You can find us online at www.joinrise.co. That's J-O-I-N-R-I-S-E dot C-O. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We're just excited about what you're doing and how you're helping women. I think it's tremendous. And we will be watching to see what you do next. Thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.